Well, good morning, Covenant Network. This is Adam Wright. Good to be back with you for Roadmap to Heaven here on this Monday morning, May 23rd. It is 7 a.m. And, well, I don't know about you, but my kids are counting down the days. They are counting down the days until school is out for summer. But in the meantime, let's begin our day in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings for of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the whole, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful, O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it is so good to be back with you. It's been exactly one week since I've been on the air with you. Uh, Last Monday was a wonderful day. We had the show, and then I was off to the Sarah Club of St. Louis's annual golf tournament fundraiser. Sad to say we did not win, uh, but happy to say we did not have expectations of winning. So that's all right. You know, we, we met the bar that we set for ourselves, which was to make par. We weren't the best team. We weren't the worst team. Um, we made par. So we were average, right? That's a good thing. But it was great to see so many priests and see so many people out there supporting religious vocations, friends. Uh, I, I encourage you, whether you're in the Sarah Club or not, support vocations, pray for vocations, um, give financial support to your seminaries and, and to those who need it. But, you know, you got to figure out how you're going to do that. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm just going to tell you it was great to uh, be out there raising money for vocations and playing golf. I love that. And then early Tuesday morning, bright and early Tuesday morning, I jumped into an airplane. Well, I didn't jump. They frown upon it. I walked onto an airplane and made my way down to Birmingham, Alabama, technically Irondale, Alabama, to make a visit to EWTN Global Catholic Radio, uh, their world headquarters, if, if you will, um, what a wonderful time. You know, I, I went to Mass both mornings in the chapel down there at EWTN, which was just, you know, it, it's one thing to to hear the Mass on the radio from that chapel. It's another thing to see it on, you know, whether it's the TV station or the Facebook live stream or YouTube live stream, but to actually be there. It was just beautiful and so peaceful to get up that early in the morning and, and walk over to the chapel. I prayed my ra- rosary, my rosary. I prayed my rosary for you at 6:30 a.m. on Wednesday morning. I prayed one for you Tuesday afternoon. First thing, boots on the ground. Got into the the house I was staying at, walked over to the chapel, prayed the rosary for you, and how joyous that was. But of everything I did. And friends, I talked to some great people. In fact, John Martinoni is going to be on the show today. We taped that in Birmingham last week when I was with him in person. But of all the things I did, going to the shrine of the most blessed sacrament, 
was just I, I, I was telling my pastor, Father Nick Smith, this past Sunday, how breathtaking it was, how overwhelming it was, how peaceful it was. So if you are making summer vacation plans and you're driving from the Midwest to Destin, Florida, or to Gulf Shores, Alabama, and you are going to go through the greater Birmingham area, I am telling you, it is worth the hour out of your way to get to the shrine of the most blessed sacrament. You will be glad you did. I, I, I'm i not even going to try to describe it today because I'm still overwhelmed by it. Words still fail to describe how peaceful it was. I felt like I was stepping back in time and uh, you know, praying my rosary. I, I had the great privilege of being alone in the shrine church, praying my rosary, and it was so quiet and still, and our Lord was there in the blessed sacrament in this beautiful monstrance enthroned above the sanctuary, a beautiful statue of Our Lady drawing my gaze upon her, but really my gaze kept going back and forth between her and between our Lord, and I'm okay with that. It, it was a beautiful opportunity. As I said today on the show, we are going to hear from John Martinoni. It was a joy to sit down with him in Birmingham this past week, and we're going to have him uh, for Martinoni Money today. We're going to be talking about purgatory. And then later in the show, we're going to talk with Father Jeffrey Kirby by phone. Uh, you know, the, the spiritual life is hard, friends, and we need a little bit of encouragement. And how do we encourage one another? And how do we move forward when it is hard? That's that's the trick is we have to keep moving forward when it's hard, and we need a whole lot of grace that's for sure. So that's what's ahead on the show today. So stay tuned for all of this. It is going to be absolutely wonderful today. But before we can get to any of that, let's go to Mike Roberts for a check of today's weather. Today is the feast day of St. John the Baptist de Rossi. Born in Italy in the late 17th century, he was the fourth child of Francis and Charles who were devoted to their faith. John Following the example set by his parents, developed a great love for the Lord as he grew up. When he was 10 years old, he was serving Mass and attracted the attention of a wealthy couple. In conversation afterwards, they were so impressed by his intelligence and devotion, they asked his parents if they could provide him an education. His parents said yes, and John went with them to Genoa to work as a page and attend school. His father passed away when he was 12, but John stayed in Genoa and then a year later went to Rome to study with the Jesuits with the intention of becoming a priest. But John had epilepsy, which normally would mean he was excluded. However, because of his great faith and intellect, he was allowed to become a priest and then gave himself over to a life of service. During the day, he attended to Rome sick and homeless, and by night he ministered to the street people, helping to found a shelter for homeless women. He also provided care to prisoners and workers. John's example was an inspiration to his fellow priests. At one point he told them, ignorance is the leprosy of the soul. How many such lepers exist in the church here in Rome, where many people don't even know what's necessary for their own salvation? He became known as the Apostle of the Abandoned and died on this day in 1764. St. John the Baptist de Rossi, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. 
Normally, when we're talking with John Martinoni on a Monday morning, it is by phone, and I'm in the studio. But today, for Martinoni Monday here on Roadmap to Heaven, I'm on the road in Birmingham. So, uh, John, not that you're the mayor of Birmingham, but I want to thank you and all of Birmingham for having me down here. Well, Adam, we are glad to have you in town, and and, and it's good to meet you face-to-face, finally. Exactly. I, I feel the same way. So, you know, coming down here, John, I had a lot of time to spend in the airport during my layover, and I could couldn't help but scroll through my social media. And and, and friends, I'm going to warn you right now, if you are getting your theology off memes on the internet, you're probably not getting good theology, but it's okay to laugh. You know, I'll just say that for everyone who feels that way. So the the meme I saw was, uh, you know, it looked to be a fire and brimstone Protestant minister holding up the Bible and saying, purgatory is not in the Bible. And then in the bottom pane is Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI sipping on a beer saying, neither is rapture, but that's none of my business. <laughs> so again, not not the greatest theology, but we can have a good laugh. But it does raise the question, is purgatory in the Bible? Well, the word purgatory is not in the Bible. But as the Pope pointed out in that meme, um, neither is the word rapture. The phrase Wednesday night Bible meeting is not in the Bible. Uh, The phrase altar call is not in the Bible. The uh, formula accept Jesus Christ into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior is not in the Bible. So there are a lot of things that Christians believe that are not mentioned directly in the Bible. And when I say Christians, I'm talking Catholic Christian, non-Catholic Christian. However, the concept of purgatory is most definitely in the Bible. And the way I explain this, I, I call it using pulling principles, Catholic principles, out of the Bible. It's the principle of the thing, is, is the um, strategy that I teach people, the apologetic strategy. So what are the Catholic principles about purgatory that we find in the Bible? Well, first, 2 Samuel 12, verses 13 to 18. The prophet Nathan comes to David. David has sinned. He's committed adultery, and he's essentially had Bathsheba's husband killed in battle. So he's an adulterer and a murderer. Prophet Nathan comes to David, tells him this little story. David realizes, ah, he's talking about me. So David repents of his sin, and the prophet Nathan tells him, um, the Lord, because you've repented, the Lord has put away your sin. Okay? In other words, David has been forgiven. But the prophet tells him, because you've done this thing, the child that is born to you shall die. So what's the principle from this, the Catholic principle on purgatory? Well, the principle is, even though the sin has been forgiven, there is still punishment due because of that sin. Okay, so that's principle number one. Even though the sin's been forgiven, there is still punishment due to that sin. Another principle is from Revelation 21, 27, which says, nothing unclean shall enter the new Jerusalem, which is heaven. So Catholic principle number two on purgatory, nothing unclean or nothing with the stain of sin will get into heaven. A third principle from Hebrews 12, verse 22, 23, it's talking about coming to the heavenly Mount Zion, to the gathering of festal angels and the God who is Lord over all, and to the souls of the just made perfect. Oh, wait a minute. The souls of the just, or we would say in Catholic theology, the souls of those in a state of grace made perfect. Souls made perfect. So in other words, there's some process by which the souls of the just are made perfect. The fourth 
principle I would throw out there is from 1 Corinthians 3, verses 13 to 15. Talks about how uh, after a person dies, that their works could be tested as through fire. And if they've done works that are not so good, you know, maybe not the best of works, it says their works, it says they shall be burned up and they shall suffer loss as through fire, yet still be saved. Okay, so ask yourself, after a person dies, where is it that they could suffer loss as through fire, yet still be saved? Is that hell? Well, you suffer loss as through fire and hell, big time. But you don't ever get out of hell, so you can't be saved. So, no, it's not hell. Is it heaven? Well, no, you don't suffer loss as through fire in heaven. So there must be this other place or state of being, however you want to phrase it, where you can suffer loss as through fire after you die, yet still be saved. So let's put those four principles together. There's punishment due to sin even after the sin's been forgiven. Nothing with the stain of sin will enter heaven. There is some process by which the souls of the just are made perfect. And there's this place other than heaven or hell where after you die, you could suffer loss as through fire, yet still be saved. I tell people, I say, you call that whatever you want. We Catholics call that purgatory. Okay. And so from scripture, there is a clear and strong case to be made for purgatory. But then, Adam, I've got also what I call the, the common sense approach to purgatory. Let me ask you this question. Adam, are you right now perfect in every way? You, you, in other words, you, you never have a bad thought. You never do anything you're not supposed to do. You always do the right thing. You always do what you're supposed to do. Are you perfect in every way right now? Well, even though my name is Adam Wright, I am not <laughs> always correct or perfect. Yeah. So you ask anybody that question, any, any Protestant Christian, any Catholic Christian, are you perfect right now? And I would hope that most of the time, if not all of the time, they would say, no, I'm not perfect right now. But then if you ask that of a Protestant and they say, no, I'm not perfect right now, you say, well, but God forbid, but should you die at this moment, would you enter heaven perfect? Oh, absolutely. 100% of the time I've had people say, absolutely, you enter heaven perfect. You're perfect when you're in heaven. Okay, so let's think about this. You're imperfect now. And if you die, you enter heaven perfect. So there's got to be some way, some process by which your imperfections are purged from you between dying imperfect and entering heaven perfect. Again, you call that process whatever you want, Mr. Evangelical or Baptist or whoever. We call that purgatory. You know, John, as you're saying all of this, I like to cook. Our listeners know that I like to cook. But I, uh, I grew up in an Irish-German household, so I knew the Irish-German staples. But I experiment. And one night, we had this leftover and that leftover, and we had some pasta noodles, and I'm throwing it all together. And we didn't have red sauce, so I made a, I, I made a sauce with butter and garlic and, and Parmesan. And I said, oh, this is really good. And an Italian friend of mine, and, and I, I'm kicking myself that I don't remember what they called it. They said, oh, yeah, that's... And they rattled off some name. That's what you made. Now, I didn't know the word, but I had all of the ingredients, and it sounds like whether you call it purgatory or not, while the word purgatory is not in the Bible, all of the ingredients are there. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're there scripturally, logically, commonsensically. Purgatory is indeed in the Bible, just not 
specifically by name, just like the incarnation is in the Bible, not specifically by name. The Trinity is in the Bible, not specifically by name. It's there. They're all there. All right, friends, sometimes you got to do a little extra work to learn our Catholic vocabulary words, but it's worth it. Uh, John Martinoni, this has been an absolute pleasure to record one of these with you in person, and I look forward to sharing this with our listeners. All right, Adam, as always, good to be with you. Friends, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven, and through the magic of radio, when we come back from this break, I will be back in our studios in St. Louis. Don't go anywhere. Hello, podcast listeners. This is Adam Wright for Covenant Network. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to hit like and subscribe. And while you're at it, share it with your friends. And now back to the Roadmap to Heaven podcast. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We're happy to be speaking with Father Jeffrey Kirby, a priest of Our Lady of Grace Parish in Indian Land, South Carolina. Father, good to be with you this morning. Thank you, Adam. Good to be on the show. We often talk about the Christian life, Father, whether it's you and I here on the show or any of the guests we have. And one of the things that I like to share with our listeners is encouragement. And people say, well, why why do you feel that you need to share encouragement or be that cheerleader, that, that inspirational moment of the morning? And I just respond that if we're being perfectly honest, friends, being Catholic, being Christian, being a follower of our Lord— is hard. It's not always sunshine and roses. And and don't get me wrong, there have been a lot of consolations I've been blessed to receive in my life. But there have also been a lot of moments where, whether it's talking with my wife, talking with my confessor, talking with a good friend, I confide that this is difficult, and I don't know that I can do this, and I don't know that I want to do this anymore, and I'm ready to throw in the towel And luckily, there's some grace that reminds me that I cannot live this life without the grace that our Lord provides, especially through his gift of himself to us in the Blessed Sacrament. And that has kept me in the church. Father, am I alone in this? I mean, am I the world's worst Christian saying it's hard? No, no. And in fact, I I appreciate the the honesty and and the transparency. I honestly think that you know, it might be helpful to, to all uh, believers if, if we actually spoke more openly about uh, the difficulty of, of what it means to follow the Lord Jesus. And, and let's go to just the Lord's teachings Himself. I mean, the Lord Himself told us, like, uh, He loved us, He never lied to us, He, he told us in, in, in full uh, openness that if we want to follow Him, we must be willing to take up our cross, deny ourselves. And, and you know, at the time, you know, of course, while we can understand the cross, it's worth putting it in this historical context that when the Lord said that, it scared people, because the cross was a brutal instrument of torture used by a non-believing occupier of their homeland. And so Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you got to pick up your cross. Like It doesn't really equate, but imagine if Jesus were to say today, if you want to follow me, you must be willing to sit on the electric chair and fry with me. And again, even then, it doesn't compare because the brutality of the cross, the torture, uh, is nothing comparable to anything else. And so, so from the very beginning, the Lord tells us, you're fallen, you're sinful, you're going to have to pick up the cross. The cross is going to heal you, uh, restore you to a life of grace, and it's not going to be easy. And I think when we, you know, we, when we try to make the gospel into health and wealth, and, and it's just about my you know, emotional you know, self-fulfillment and so on, when we turn the gospel into these things, these type of like self-help movements, 
we do a real damage to the gospel and to the real walk that the sincere believer has when they try to follow the Lord. Because as you said, Adam, and I think any honest believer would, would confess, this is not easy. Right. No, I think of, you know, I think of St. Teresa of Calcutta, who in her writings and her journal that were discovered after her death confessed that she had a very difficult time. Indeed, um, if I remember correctly, she experienced the dark night of the soul. And that's something that I think it's easy for us to say, well, I experienced the dark night of the soul. No, no, we, we really don't, friends. Um, we might be a little dejected or a little desolate, but there is a whole host of things. We could do a whole segment on what the dark night of the soul actually is. But, Father, you said that the gospel is not self-help, and I think that's a great reminder for us that it does not mean we are without help, that there is supernatural aid that we receive. Um, I had the opportunity recently to be reminded of the words that were prayed over me at my baptism or over my children at their baptism, that that is the first sacrament where that grace starts pouring in to equip us to take up our crosses and follow our Lord. And I know right now we are on the tail end of confirmation season for most dioceses across the country, culminating with the the great feast of Pentecost. And that's another sacrament. But boy, did I misunderstand that when I was a kid, that I thought it was just the finish line. Oh, I finished all of my sacraments of initiation. Now I'm, I'm done with everything I know that I need to be Catholic. And really, in confirmation, that's the Lord pouring in the grace that we receive through the Holy Spirit, those gifts of the Holy Spirit, to go out, okay, this is going to be difficult, so here's some supernatural aid to help you live this life. Exactly. We, we can say that if we wanted to come up with a buzzword for confirmation, we could say confirmation means strength, that we receive confirmation so we can be strengthened to carry our cross even more faithfully. Uh, to, to suffer more generously, to give even more of a bolder witness to the Lord Jesus. And so, as you mentioned, Adam, this, the Confirmation, it fully initiates us, and, and sometimes it's worth emphasizing that for, for all of us who've received Confirmation, and for young Christians who are preparing for Confirmation, that you're going to be fully initiated. Like, who, who goes to all the tryouts for a sports team, makes it on the team, and then quits? Or, or, or practices and goes through driving school to get the driver's license to get, and then to finally get the license and then say, yeah, I'm not going to drive. Like that, that's, that's crazy talk, right? So in the same way to, to pursue the sacrament of confirmation to become fully initiated, we're just getting started and then to abandon the faith or to walk away or to just fade away. Uh, is a real misunderstanding of what confirmation is meant to be. So, you know, the Lord is giving us His strength to say, look, this is not easy. I'm going to bless you with baptism, I'm going to bless you with confession, I'm going to bless you with Holy Communion, I'm going to give you confirmation, this pouring out of the Holy Spirit to strengthen you so that you can turn the other cheek, walk the extra mile, carry your cross, forgive 70 times 7, serve the poor and the sick, so you can be my witnesses. And the Lord is pouring this grace. He's trying to help us in order to live the Christian way of life. And and I will say, with, with confirmation, we have so much work to do uh, to really retrieve that sacrament to, to help, not to be the young Christians who are preparing to receive it, but those of us who have already received the sacrament to understand the grace that dwells within us. We receive the Holy Spirit, a person, the third person of the Holy Trinity, dwells within us. And that Spirit was called down in fullness at the, in the sacrament of confirmation. Father, I think of a time in our marriage that we have five kids, and my wife and I were finding out that we were pregnant with number four. And 
we we said, how are we going to do this? I mean, it was a, a very joyful thing for us, but also a very difficult thing for us. And I think it was at that moment we really started wrestling with the church's teaching on contraception. And where I say this because it's one of those things that at that time I remember saying, I know this is wrong. I know the church teaches this is wrong. But in my prayer, it really became, all right, God, you gave me the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you give me the gift of understanding. That's what I need right now. I I need to reap the fruits of this gift of understanding. You know, to quote the centurion in the gospel, I believe, but help my unbelief. It's really a tool that, you know, I think we've got this toolbox of tools, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we forget about when we can, you know, that's just one example, but we forget about these tools accessible to us as we try to live this life. Absolutely. And and I think that, you know, as we walk in, in our discipleship, you know, the, the real mark of our fidelity to, to the way of the Lord Jesus are, are those hard decisions where we know that we would have wanted to do something completely different. So the, the, the sermon in terms of, of family planning, or for young couples who cannot have children and struggle in terms of in vitro fertilization, like, you know, if we just do this, we'll have a baby. You know, or even something as simple as a pastor of a parish, like the contractor telling me, um, we're really busy, you're small fish, but you let me work on a Sunday afternoon, I'll get that project done. It's like, no, I can't have you work on the Sabbath on the parish grounds. Like, uh, you know, so it, it's a whole array, but every time we, we, we call down God's grace, we, 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 we fan in the flame, St. Paul says, the gifts that we have received. And we say, no, like, I will remain faithful. Like, I, I don't understand this. This breaks my heart. But I'm not following my emotions or my thoughts or my preferences. I'm following the way of the Lord Jesus. And I'm going to die to myself. And I'm going to do this. Uh, it, it's not easy. It's not difficult. There are no warm fuzzies in those moments. Right? Uh, but there is you know, the, the consolation of knowing that I am following the way of the Lord Jesus. I'm going to remain faithful. I know that whatever I have sacrificed, the abundance of the blessings he has in store for me is infinitely greater. And, and I will follow. And, and as you've indicated, Adam, sometimes that prayer is, Lord, I believe. I'll follow. But help my unbelief because this is really hard, and I want to understand, and I want to love you completely. Exactly. Father, let's talk for a moment about what to do when we stumble and fall. Because as we said, it's hard, it's difficult, and everything I've ever done in my life that's been difficult I've made a mistake at least once, if not more times. So to those people listening today uh, who maybe are struggling with the church's teaching on contraception and perhaps through surgical means they have made decisions that are contrary to our faith, but their heart wants to come back to the Lord, or perhaps they were living a lifestyle of sin outside of the, the church's teachings on what is appropriate outside of the bonds of marriage and what is appropriate inside the bonds of marriage. It could be any number of things. I could go on with a whole list. When we fall, we've got a beautiful invitation. Again, our Lord giving us what we need to come back through the sacrament of reconciliation. And we've talked about that before, but I really want to get into this specific point. You know, what about those big cases? We, we talked about the, the surgical means for someone who's made a decision and now they want to come back and be with our Lord Amen. But they're lost. You know, they feel lost. What do I do? Yes, yes. I, I emphasize we worship uh, a God who is risen from the dead, who's destroyed the kingdom of sin, 
and he is a God of perpetual second chances. So to the person that's in that position who, who, who knows that they've done something wrong, who feels lost but wants to come back, first of all, I just want to affirm that that is the Holy Spirit calling them back. So God is already working in them. So long before we're searching for God or want to come back to God, He's already been searching for us and has already found us. So to that person who's listening who feels lost, I say, come back. Our God is an ocean of mercy. And I would encourage that person to, to, to quickly come, make a good confession, you know, place their heart before the Lord. You know, like, you know, oftentimes people say, but, it, but it's hard because, you know, it involves such an intimate part of my life, my marriage, my children, you know. And I say, but, but the Lord is kind and merciful. And as they come, you know, come, come to this healing water and, and, and know that the, the Lord is, is a God of mercy. You know. So I would say to that person, please come back. My goodness, that God is calling you. He's already working and inspiring your heart to bring you back. Truer words we could not say this morning, you know, the the invitation to come back. I know there have been times in my life, friends, that in the confessional I feel incredibly vulnerable laying my soul bare. But I also remember that God knows everything anyway. So he already knows what I've done. I mean, it's like those moments as a dad that my kids do something and they don't want to admit it and they're doing everything to hide it because they feel so guilty and they don't want to be in trouble. And I already know what they did. And once they come to realize that and we can work through everything, there's you know an abundance of forgiveness as a father. Well, how much more forgiving is our Heavenly Father. So I, I want to echo what Father said. Don't hold back. Follow those promptings of the Holy Spirit and uh, come back into the fold with our Lord, whatever it may be that's been keeping you away. Father, sadly, we're out of time. I would love to ask you to close us out with a prayer, and perhaps today we could pray specifically for those who have struggled and found it very difficult and want to come back but don't know where to start. Yes, absolutely. Let us pray, Father, we ask that your children are far from you, you're calling home, that they might generously say yes and return to your home, a house of mercy, a house of compassion. We pray for them. We ask that you bring them home. Father, we ask that you let your face shine upon all your children, that you grant us your peace. And may Almighty God bless all who are present, all who are listening, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, Father Jeffrey Kirby, thank you again for being with us. Friends, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We will be back after this. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. As we begin the new week, we look forward to a new topic here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. Patty Schneier, what do you have for us this week? Well, this week we are going to talk about ways to spread mercy. This topic came to my heart and in prayer by reading a book called God's Healing Mercy by Kathleen Beckman. So again, I just like to share wonderful resources that have been influential in my own life. I'm just pointing you all to the greater sources, which again, it's not me. It's this book, God's Healing Mercy by Kathleen Beckman. So we're going to unpack a little bit from that book this week. But the first thing I want to do this week is to Let our listeners know there are both spiritual works of mercy and corporal works of mercy. 
And I think it's important, as I often say during the Daily Dose of Encouragement, that we need to memorize some of these treasures from our faith so that they can be on our hearts and on our lips and in our hearts and in our minds and spur us to action. So today we are going to learn, we're going to memorize the spiritual works of mercy. Can you name them? Maybe you're being asked to do one or more of these today. Pray that God shows you how you are to practice one of these today. Here they are. And I'm sorry, I don't have any cute song, catchy song, or I don't have an acronym to help you. We're just going to use repetition, good old repetition, to help us memorize them. So here they are. Admonish the sinner, instruct the ignorant, counsel the doubtful, comfort the sorrowful, bear wrongs patiently, forgive all injuries, and pray for the living and the dead. Now, that's kind of a hard list to memorize. There's seven of them. Here's what I want to recommend that you do. Just take the verbs. Take the verb and you'll get it. Admonish, instruct. Get those two first. Admonish, and you'll know, admonish the sinner. Instruct, instruct the ignorant. So just admonish, instruct. Then counsel and comfort. Admonish, instruct, counsel, comfort. Bear, as in bear wrongs patiently. Forgive, as in forgive all injuries. And pray for the living and the dead. So here we go. Admonish, instruct. Then counsel and comfort. Let's get those four. Admonish, instruct, counsel, comfort. Bear, forgive, and pray. Admonish, instruct, counsel, comfort. Bear, forgive, and pray. Those are the seven spiritual works of mercy. We're admonishing the sinner, instructing the ignorant, counseling the doubtful, comfort the sorrowful, bear wrongs patiently, forgive all injuries, and pray for the living and the dead. Ask God to show you how you are to practice one of these today. Well, Patty, it may be a little extra work without a song or an acronym, but I still think it's worth it to remember, admonish, instruct, counsel, and comfort, bear, forgive, and pray. What a great encouragement for us. I look forward to this week. Well, that's our show for today, and that, that's everything we've got for you. Friends, I want to encourage you, um, you know, I, I, and I got a message from someone listening during the show, um, during the conversation we just had with Father Kirby, thanking me for my vulnerability. And, you know, I'm, I'm happy to share it. We all have those moments where we need that encouragement, where we know we want to follow our Lord, where we know it's difficult to follow our Lord, and, and yet we still make that prayer. Lord, I want to follow you. Help me to follow you. Show me the way. Help me to understand. And so I just want to offer one last encouragement here on the show. If that's ever you, you're not alone in that. But but don't use it as an excuse to fall away from your faith. You know, we, we read in John chapter 6 that there are many who found the teaching hard and walked away when our, our Lord was very clearly teaching about his presence in the Eucharist. And don't don't be one of the ones that walks away sad. It takes a great amount of faith sometimes to trust in God's plan for us. And yet we hear countless stories of the fruit that is born when we trust in his plan. I'll share this with you. Uh, one, one of the folks I met on my trip, a beautiful conversion story, a, a lapsed Catholic who was kind of coming back to the church and uh, had was trying to get out of a job. So someone got him a job. And his job was to sit there and digitize tapes 
of Mother Angelica, Father Benedict Rochelle, Father Andrew Apostoli. And, and so you had to watch them in real time because these were old VHS tapes. And that was the catechesis that brought this person back into the church. And what a beautiful thing it is. And his point in sharing that was the more you come to understand the faith, the easier it is to follow the faith, but it takes that effort to understand it. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, help our unbelief. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of Heaven, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. More surprises coming to you later this week. In fact, we're going to get ready for Memorial Day on Wednesday, and we'll be talking with Bishop Joseph Coffey from the Archdiocese for Military Services on how we can do that. But to find out what else is going on, well, you'll just have to tune in. I want to thank John Martinoni and Father Kirby for being with us on the show today. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Pray your rosary today.